This week's message is sponsored by Harrison Audiovisual Ministry. Each week, the AV team sets forth on a mission to provide an extraordinary worship experience to those joining us each Sunday, striving to provide the best lighting, sound, and visuals possible. If you're interested in learning more information or getting involved, please email audiovisual at harrisonchurch.org. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Indeed, we have nothing to fear. The Lord is uh, with us. Good morning, everyone. Uh, Thank you for coming today. If you are visiting with us, uh, my name is Shane. I usually do most of the preaching here, and it is an honor to have you with us. I do want to let you know if you're visiting with us where we are uh, through Lent, the season of Lent. This is kind of the time of the year in the church where we're supposed to really kind of concentrate on prayer. What I thought we would do is that we would kind of break down the Lord's Prayer, petition by petition, over the six weeks of Lent, and then just kind of ask, you know, what are we really praying? And uh, so far, we've been in this uh, study for the last two weeks. We've looked at our Father who art in heaven. We've looked at hallowed be our name. That was last week. That's when it snowed, right? So about 12 of you heard that sermon last week. Now, if you missed it, all you got to do is go to our website, harrisonchurch.org, and you will find a link to our sermons there. You can kind of catch yourself up. But today we're going to really look at the third petition, and uh, really I believe that the third petition today is uh, the center. It's like the hinge, like a door hinge. It's a, it's a hinge upon which the entire prayer really turns in many ways. Now, uh, for those of you who may come in a little bit later, next week we're going to be preaching, or I'm going to be preaching, uh, on Give Us This Day Our Daily Bread. And uh, if for the next two weeks, next Sunday and the following Sunday, I thought it would be a great idea for us to do kind of a food drive. So go back to our website, look at the list of food items that we could use for loaves of fishes and our backpack ministry. Bring the food items with you to worship. If you miss next Sunday, if you forget, that's okay. You'll have another Sunday in which to respond. But let me, uh, let's uh, get to our text today. Uh, we're going to be reading a passage from Isaiah the prophet. No doubt this influenced Jesus. And it's a remarkable vision of God's kingdom and what it will look like. So uh, if you have your Bible, you can turn with me to Isaiah 65. I'll be reading from verse 17. Otherwise, I do invite you to stand as you are able for the reading here of the good news. Now, this is the Lord speaking through the prophet Isaiah. Here's what the Lord says. For I am about to create new heavens and a new what? What? Okay. The former things shall not be remembered or come to mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in what I am creating. For I am about to create Jerusalem as a joy and its people as a delight. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and delight in my people. No more shall the sound of weeping be heard in it or the cry of distress. No more shall there be in it an infant that lives but a few days. Or an old person who does not live out a lifetime. For one who dies at a hundred years will be considered a youth. And one who falls short of a hundred will be considered accursed. Check this out. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. See what's going on? Some people are building and don't have homes. They shall plant uh, vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be, and my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain. They won't work for nothing. Or bear children for calamity. For they shall be offspring, offspring blessed by the Lord and their descendants as well. Before they call, I will answer. 
while they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. But the serpent, think of the Genesis serpent, its food shall be dust. They shall not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, says the Lord. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. All right, let's talk about the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Um, I guess the first thing I should tell you is that Jesus, if you, if you read the Gospels, uh, Jesus preached about the kingdom of God more than anything else in all of the Gospels. So if you heard me preach this before, hey, I'm taking my cues from the Lord. Uh, but he preaches more than anything. He began a lot of his parables by saying, the kingdom of God is like, or the kingdom of heaven is like. And he would go on to kind of describe what this is. Now, here's what I want us to do as an exercise. When you think about the Lord's Prayer, that petition, notice the direction. Notice where we're going or what's coming. We say, thy kingdom come where? See? Where? Thy kingdom come where? On earth. Thy will be done where? Okay. We're asking the direction to come this way. So when we pray the Lord's Prayer and we pray that petition, we are not asking, this makes it kind of a challenge to preach, we're not saying, hey, let us go up to heaven when we die. What we are actually asking is we, we want heaven to come where? We want heaven to come down here, okay? So when we pray the Lord's Prayer, what we are saying is that we want kind of where God rules right now, we want him to be the ruler of this world. Right? We are praying for God to become the king in our world. We're praying that the place where God is and, like, and the way life is where God is in heaven, so to speak, will become the way life is for us here on this earth. And, of course, if God is going to be the king over all the earth, then things will have to change. That would spell the end to, oh, you name it, violent conflict, uh, evil, suffering, pain, and, and all of these things. But we're asking God to, to make his rule here in this world. Now, uh, there were, as I understand it, there were at least two options, if you were in the ancient world, two options from which you could have chosen to be your, your worldview, how you see the world. Now, both of these options are around today. This will not sound foreign to you. Here, here's one option that you could have chosen if you were living in the ancient world. It's this. You could have gone out and said, you know, there's a lot of suffering and there's a lot of pain in this life, but you know what? You're just going to have to learn to adapt to it because this world's all there is. And when you die, you die. And you've just got to adapt, and the world will always be this way. You ever heard that worldview before? No? It's around. We might call this the materialist worldview. Okay, so it's just like all there is is this. There's nothing else. you just got to learn to adapt. There's always going to be pain. There's always going to be suffering. And there's nothing you can do about it because when you're dead, you are dead. Just make the most of it. Now, most of us in here, we're not materialist. But that was one way to look at the world. It's around today. Right, but there's another worldview you could have chosen in the ancient world. It's still today. You could have said, yes, there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of suffering. There's a lot of death in this world. And it will probably always be like this. But, hey, at least there might be and is an afterlife. So when you die, you will go to experience where there's always happiness. Uh, was it uh, Greenbaum? I think I've shared with these before, they are going up to the spirit in the sky. That's where I'm going to go when I die, right? Um, some of you understand what I'm saying, all right? Now, 
Now, now this, this worldview is very similar, if you think about it, to the materialist worldview. You know, that this world's always going to have pain, it's always going to have evil, it's gonna, but at least there is a reward in some place called the afterlife or in heaven. You ever heard this before? Yes. Okay, some of you are with me. Now, here's what I find to be so fascinating, is that the majority of Christians today believe that that worldview that I just shared with you is really the whole sum of the gospel. In other words, life in this world is hard, there is evil, there is pain, there'll probably always be like this, but lo and behold, if you believe in Jesus, you'll go to the afterlife where there'll be all kinds of happiness and bliss forever and forever, and you think that's all there is to it. But that's not all the story. This is why it's a challenge to preach. There's more to what Jesus was talking about than this idea is that we're just going to heaven and then that's the end of the story. The Bible actually gives us kind of what I'm going to call option number three, a third way, kind of a third way of looking at the world. This is what Jesus preached. This is what the prophets like Isaiah preached before Jesus. Here's how the Bible understands it. Yes, there is evil in this world. There is pain in this world. There's absurd stuff that happens in this world. There is suffering in this world. But the good creator God is going to restore this world. And then we, along with all of creation, we will all flourish as God intended us to flourish in this world. In other words, we're not longing for an escape from this world. What the Bible holds out is actually a radical and new hope for this world. It will be the complete restoration of this world. And that is what Jesus believed. And that is what Jesus believed was actually happening through him. I mean, think about the stories of Jesus when he would go and and he would heal a leper. Or he would heal someone who's blind. Jesus did not say, sorry about your leprosy, but you know, in the next world, it'll all be better. What did he do? He healed them here. Right? When somebody was hungry, he didn't say, sorry for your empty stomach, but you know, in heaven, it'll all get better. What did he do? He fed them. He fed them here. So when you look at the stories of Jesus when he's healing people, what's really going on is that Jesus is giving us a demonstration of what God's new world's going to look like. Like, there's not going to be sickness. There's not going to be hunger. And I'm trying to show you what that looks like now. And it's going to be this world, right? So instead of thinking of them as miracles, they're signs, right, of a new world, God's world still to come. When Jesus said at the beginning of Matthew and Mark and Luke, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near, We so want to think that what Jesus was meaning is, well, you've got a heart and you've got to think spiritual thoughts. That way you can go to heaven and and enjoy the bliss there. No, no, no. When Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of God is, is near, what he was saying is, my brothers and sisters, there's a regime change about to happen the, the rulers and authorities of this world, they will not be in charge for much longer. And so you've got to get yourself ready for it. You've got to get your life prepared for this kind of coming invasion. Otherwise, if it comes and you're really content with the way things are now, it might not be good news for you. 
Now, some of us get tripped up by this kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God. There are, there are some people who rephrase that for our ears because, I mean, let's face it, we're, we're in the United States. We don't do kings. Kingdoms don't resonate with us. And what they say is that maybe a better way for us in the United States to understand what Jesus was preaching is when you come across kingdom of God, just say to yourself, the empire of God. The empire of God. In other words, Jesus was saying God's empire, God's empire is about to invade our world. He's about to displace all of our empires in this world. You follow me there? So, I mean, think about it. When Pontius Pilate came before Jesus, or when Jesus came before Pilate, now we understand why Pilate wanted him dead. I mean, we don't kill poets, do we? We don't kill, kill spiritual people in this world. When Jesus came before Pilate, what Jesus was saying in his preaching is, there's another empire, and it's not the Roman Empire. And so Jesus' preaching was actually a threat to the empire that Pilate represented. Which empire did Pontius Pilate work for? He worked for the Roman Empire. Okay, so Jesus was preaching like this alternative empire, but it was no less going to be a form of power. And Jesus believed that the empire of God that was coming into this world was going to be radically different than how the empires of our world tend to operate. It would be radically different from that. I mean, think about it. This is not a trick question. How do all empires, past and present, how do they operate? They operate through coercion, force, taxation, uh, usually the empires of the world, as it was in Rome, you, you have centralized power. There's a few that do very, very, very well, but then you've got a lot of people who don't do very well. That's how they operate. I mean, if you read your history, how Rome used to um, present itself is that the, the emperors used to say about Rome that we are the most peaceful nation that the world has ever seen. But how Rome defined peace, what they meant by that was, do what we say or we will kill you. But notice what Jesus did when he preached the kingdom of God. Notice to whom he went. He went to the peasants. He went to the fishermen. He went to the people who were on the bottom, right? And what he preached to them is that there's an empire that's on the way. It will be God's empire. And in God's empire, there will be real peace. There will be real healing. And for those of you on the bottom, it'll be like it's turning upside down. The first will be last, but the last will be first. But it's going to be a new hope and a new place for you. That's what he was preaching. And that's what God's empire is going to look like. It's going to be for the peasants. It's going to be for the people who are on the bottom, who have no voice in the empires of this world. So it's it's, it's just actually a, a really radical vision. So, so, let me slow down. When you and I pray, as we're getting ready to pray the Lord's Prayer, Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done, Lord, on earth as it is in heaven. Do you realize what we're doing? We are actually uniting our voices with the cries of the revolutionaries of this world. We are actually praying when we say, Thy kingdom come, Lord. Thy will be done on earth. We're actually saying, O Lord, launch an invasion against the empires of our world displace the kingdoms of our world so that your new kingdom may come in to where our world and our kingdoms are now. 
It's what we're praying. It's what we're praying. There was somebody who said, uh, I don't know who it was. He said, but to pray thy kingdom come is actually to pray our kingdoms go. Your kingdom come means our kingdoms must go. We're actually praying for regime change in the Lord's Prayer. What we're actually saying is, oh, Lord, the kingdoms of our world, how we do kingdom, how we do empire with all the collateral damage, uh, it's just not, it's missing the mark. We need you. We need your empire to come into our world. We're just, we're just wreaking, wreaking havoc everywhere we go. I mean, that, that's what we're praying. Our, uh, your kingdom come means our kingdom go. I think it was uh, Winston Churchill. Was it Winston Churchill who said that democracy is the worst form of government that has ever existed? It's just better than everything else that has ever existed. Right? I mean, our hope as Christian people who pray the Lord's Prayer, say our hope is not even in democracy. We're actually praying for a world in which the Creator, God, through Jesus, is in charge. We're actually praying, no, Lord, not the will of the people be done, but your will be done. So the Lord's Prayer, my friends, It is a revolutionary prayer. It's a prayer for a revolution to happen in our world. And of course, what will this revolution look like? (laughs) Jesus said that that this revolution, this empire that God's going to bring into this world, it's going to look laughable. It is going to look ridiculous. It'll come in the most unexpected of ways. It'll come in the most hidden of ways. Jesus said that, that God's empire will not come the way our empires grow. It will not grow with the power of the sword. You know, you think about Peter on the night in which Jesus was arrested. He took out his what? Took out a sword. And what did Jesus say? Put it away. See, that's not how God's kingdom comes. <laughs> Jesus preached that, that God's empire would come by God enlisting the meek. He would conscript the mourners. He would actually enlist the humble and the servants. And he would put together this ragtag army of lowly kinds of people, ordinary kinds of people. And they would have a weapon, all right, but their weapon would be the instrument of love. But this is how the kingdoms of this world are are coming. That's how Jesus envisioned it. It would happen kind of behind the scenes through people who would just share love for one another. I mean, the kingdom that Jesus preached, he is saying that it does not come through power. It comes through the power of powerlessness. God's empire will not come through power, but through the power of what looks like powerlessness. It will not come through the securing of power. That's how empires work. They want to secure more power. It will come through the giving away of power and it's laughable we can't comprehend that it's a topsy-turvy kind of empire but that's how jesus said the invasion was going to happen and what will it look like what will it look like when this world becomes god's world um i could have shared some other passages with you in the bible i thought i would share with you isaiah the prophet he just gives kind of this preview of what the world will look like i mean i love this when god's world isaiah says becomes our world and our world becomes God's world he says that you will no longer hear the sound of weeping or the cry of distress I love this he says the infant mortality rate will be zero 
People will live to be in a ripe old age. Those who live to be 100 years old will be considered young people. <laughs> that sounds like good news. Like you, you, if you die before you even reach 100, then, then, then you will seem to be accursed, he says. I love this image as well. They'll build houses and they'll actually inhabit them. They'll plant vineyards and actually eat the fruit. In other words, the people who build will actually have a place to stay. They won't be just building homes for some while they're homeless. Everybody will have a place in which to dwell. They won't just plant and harvest for others so that they can eat. Even the harvesters will have something to eat as well. That's what the world will look like. And then I love this last one. It says that they won't hurt creation anymore. We're not going to pillage the earth. We're going to love the earth. Uh, the image of the lion and the lamb eating straw. That seems so hilarious, but it's a, it's a sign of harmony with even in God's good creation. I mean, this, this is what the world will be. This is not pie in the sky stuff. Isaiah does not say, well, there'll be harps and angels. He's talking about this world the way it ought to be. And this is the very world that Jesus prayed would come this is the very world that Jesus believed has started coming through him. And this is the very world that you and I pray will come whenever we unite our voices in the Lord's prayer. And it makes all the difference as Christian people. Whether you believe this is a bunch of nonsense or whether you really believe that God's new world has already started in Jesus. Because friends, that's what Easter really means. We so want to think that all Easter means is that there's life after death. Guess how many people in the uh, ancient world believe in life after death? Almost everybody. That's not what the disciples believe happened on Easter. What they believe was happening on Easter <laughs> is that the good new world that God was going to create, it's happening now. Oh, my gosh. God is now defeating the powers of sin and death. I mean, yeah, Jesus went to, ascended to heaven. But what did he say he was going to do? What goes up must come. Damn, he's coming back. And in the meantime, it makes no sense. If, all, if heaven's the only place where we're going to dwell forever, why does Jesus need to come back? But in the meantime, what Jesus says is that I am now giving you, my followers, some of my spirit. I'm giving you some of my spirit. So you go out there and you, and you start working on behalf of the coming new world. You work on behalf of God's coming empire. And you get people ready for the coming empire. And the early Christians, for centuries, that's exactly what they did. We take it so much for granted. The early church, they hit the streets and they cared for the sick. They cared for the vulnerable. It was the early Christians who built hospitals. That was their idea. It was the early Christians who created something like uh, education for all children. We think this has always been. No, it was the early Christians who created hospitals. Why? Because they knew that when God's empire comes, the sick are going to be tended to. The poor are going to have something to eat. All children are going to have a place to learn. Therefore, what the early Christians try to do is to get the world a head start. Let's create now what the world's going to be then. That's all they were doing. This is what Harrison's doing today. You know, uh, we're about to wrap up a ministry that's happened through the winter. It's called Room in the Inn. Have some of you heard of this? If you haven't heard of Room in the Inn, it's every week. Our church is a part of providing shelter for some of the homeless in our community. It takes a lot of people to do this, and they're about to wrap this up. But they, this church made a commitment that we're going to have homeless people, and they're going to have a place, a warm place to stay on a Wednesday night here. Other churches are involved. I'm thinking about a gentleman who's not here today. His name is Wallace Hutchinson. He's already uh, in Kentucky, the hills of Kentucky. 
uh, on a mission called Redbird. There are other people who are going to meet him there. But what he does is that they, they, they get together and they kind of repair homes for the poorest of the poor in Kentucky. Okay? There are other missions and ministries. Can some, some of y'all name one? What's another mission or ministry that we are a part of at Harrison Church? Haiti. Okay, we go down to Haiti. We support the College of John Wesley. What, what else? Backpack ministry. Making sure the people in these schools have adequate resources. What else? English as a second language. That's a good one. I might have to use that as an analogy here in a second. We think about rescue mission. We, we, we provide breakfast for those who are recovering from addiction. Now, if you go ask the people who are doing these things, why are you doing it? They might say, because we love God. And because Jesus has called us to do that, that is correct. But really, the reason we're engaged in this stuff, the reason we want to house the homeless, the reason we're providing backpacks and resources for children, the reason that we're providing breakfast to those who are addicted is because when God's empire comes in this world, the homeless are going to have a place to stay. The children are going to have some resources. The sick are going to be tended to. So all of these People at Harrison Church in doing all these things, they're getting a head start on what the world is going to be. That's what kingdom work looks like. We don't say to the homeless, too bad you're homeless, but you know, in the next life it'll all be better. No, we give them housing now. I was sharing with someone about English as a second language as my example. If you knew that you were going to live in France for the rest of your life starting, I don't know, next year, what would you start to do today? You better learn French. You better learn the language. And that's what Jesus commissioned us to do. This is where the world's going to be. This is where we're going to live. Learn the language now. Help people understand the language now. Radical stuff. I mean, we're going to come here to the table. Just a moment. And usually when we get together for communion, what we think is happening is that we're remembering something that happened 2,000 years ago. But here's how I want you to understand it. We're actually at this table. We're peering into the future. We're really peering into the future. The Bible promises that one day when God, God's kingdom finally fully establishes itself in our world, here's what we're going to do. We're going to sing and we're going to praise and we're going to say things like, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And then the book of Revelation says that we'll all eat together. The marriage supper of the Lamb, and everybody will have something to eat. So when we come to this table here in just a moment, man, this, this is the future. This is what the world's going to be. We're going there. Man, make your, life, make your life make sense with what's to come. Make it make sense. Jesus shall return. So until then, the kingdom of God has come, the resurrection of Jesus, it's it's come, but just in part, but it will soon be here in full. And, and we pray, thy kingdom come, O Lord. Your will be done here on earth. So, Lord, may your kingdom come, even if it means our kingdoms must go. Lord, I pray for these people here. I pray that I, I pray that they will all have the courage to join the revolution. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Harrison Church. To stay connected to Harrison Happenings, please follow us on Facebook or Twitter at HarrisonUMC or online at HarrisonChurch.org.